Welcome to the Nun Report, bringing your regular dose of truth, freedom, and weirdness with your host, Dan Nunn. Thanks for tuning into today's Nun Report. I got a bunch for you. Actually, not a bunch, just a few things. I do want to start out with some good news because there is good news, so I'm going to do that, and then we're going to get into, well, you know, the weird news, which I would, and disgusting news, actually, the grotesque display of uh, of disrespect that Joe Biden d- displayed by going to Maui. And of course, why would we expect anything different? That's why they didn't want him to go there in the first place. That's why they waited so long for him to go there. Finally, they caved to the pressure because, I mean, he had to go there and he went there and did exactly what they were afraid he would do. And that was come across as an unempathetic, disinterested, bored elite. That's it. So we're going to talk about that. We'll take a look at the COVID. COVID's coming back, man. COVID is making a comeback. The new variants are coming. They're coming from Japan. They're coming from the UK. They're coming from Australia. They're coming all over the place and they're coming to get you and they're coming to get me. So therefore, you got to mask back up. Make sure you get those vaccines. If you're going to school, if you're going to work, if you're going to fly, mm, if you're going to fly, watch for the TSA, watch for the federal government, the TSA to put mask mandates back in place just to get onto an airplane. We're going to talk about that. As you know, anyone who's followed me for any length of time knows that is a huge, 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 um, peeve of mine and something I was involved in throughout COVID. I never once caved. I never once wore a mask, except when I had to go to the hospital for major back surgery when they required it. And uh, then there was a, never, never, never took the vaccine. Of course, why would you do something like that when it's an experimental thing? You've heard me be critical of Donald Trump for operation warp speed and his continued uh, bragging about how that was a great success. It, Trump, look, that was your one of your worst moments, your worst mistakes that you did. Own it. I'd like to see him own it. Anyway, uh, let's get going here. We're going to start with some good news, man. The good news, people, look, there is an awakening happening across this country, and you don't need to believe me. All you have to do is look at what's going on. Look at what's going on in Hollywood with movies like Sound of Freedom, a low-budget film that is about a very, it's just very powerful about child sex trafficking and everything. The liberals hate it. Why do they hate it? They, they try to disprove it. It's some sort of QAnon thing. They've been doing that forever. It just surpassed 175 million, beating out Mission Impossible 7 and the, uh, the Indiana Jones 5 and, and all of those movies that they were supposed to be great blockbusters that had multi-million dollar budgets, hundreds of millions of dollars. And Sound of Freedom just blew them out of the water, and it's still going. It's going international. It's been a huge success. Look at country music scene. And not even just the country music scene. Oliver Anthony, Richmond, north of Richmond, has now gone to number one, not just on iTunes, not just on the country charts, but on the top 100 billboard chart of the United States, period. The number one song. He also has a number two song. Coming in at number three is... Try That in a Small Town by Jason Aldean, right? So, and, and the country music executives and the music executives, this is like the biggest F you. F you. We don't need mass, I mean, especially Oliver Anthony. We don't need massive production money. We don't need huge record companies behind us. What we need is truth and honesty and passion. And if you put that out there, it's contagious. If you put things like out there, People will catch on to it. You know, doom and gloom and negativity and all that, that is contagious. You know what else is contagious? Contagious? Positivity, motivation, and vision. Vivek Ramaswamy talks about that all the time, and he exudes it. You don't hear him talking about how horrible Joe Biden is. Hardly ever does he even mention Joe Biden because he's take, he wants to take the country forward. I agree with him. Not going to vote for him, probably. But I certainly am enjoying listening to the guy. So just look at what's going on. So there is a lot of good news. Look at how we, the Bud Light, man, they've lost 20, they're they're having to sell. They might have the Bush family coming back in and offering to buy the company back to fix it from their Dylan Mulvaney woke disaster. 
They brought in a woke marketing exec. She made a huge mistake and the company is paying for it still. They're pulling, they're, they're selling off brands. They're not able to distribute as much. They're not able to sponsor as many events because people just don't want the woke BS. Target is another example. Target lost money for the first time or missed projections for the first time in a very long time, six years, I think, or something like that. Um, Disney. You know, their movies are bombing all over the place. All their woke remakes, all their, don't even get me going on Snow White or, or, or Cinderella or what, whatever the hell they got going on now because they try to remake all these movies and woke visions to satisfy the minority. Well, go woke, go broke. So anyway, those, that's the great news. People, we can have an impact. The silent majority is silent no longer. And we can make a change and have an impact with what we support, where we put our money towards, what we put our money behind, what we purchase, where we shop, what movies we go see, what beer we drink. And it's working. And it's working so well that the leftist media is taking notice because how could they not? So anyway, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Speaking of Oliver Anthony, what's let's get an update on him from Town Hall. I thought this was great. Makes Every time this guy says something or, or comes out with something, or uh, it just makes me like him even more. Check this out. Warm and fuzzy, feel goods. What do you hope comes to the song in your music? I know you turned $8 million down. You, you did a great statement. You said you don't want jets. You don't want tour buses. What do you want? I just want to go back to the woods, honestly. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, what I what I really want in the bigger scheme of things is just just people to start appreciating each other for human beings and look beyond political differences and ideologies and a lot of things that I see corporate media and education doing, which is making everyone identify each other's differences and not their similarities. Just recognize each other as human beings, you know, not political differences and all that. And what's interesting, and I've had a real eye-opener here, you know, I've, I've always been a Trump supporter. I have not been ashamed of that, and I've been very adamant and very vocal about it. And, but I, I, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to listen to other people. You can't imagine that the, the responses I'm, I, I started putting out information on Vivek Ramaswamy just because I think it's good information to hear. And people, other conservatives, that are only Trumpers coming at me from all different angles, like aggressively, as if I'm the enemy, as if I'm saying some horrible thing, as if I'm, oh, you're 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 jumping off the Trump bandwagon. Mm, you're bad, you're bad. God, you're just as intolerant as the extreme commie Democrats. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I just don't even get it. And I did that, that is something I did not expect. Maybe that's my fault. Maybe I should have anticipated that, look, some of these people on the right are pretty damn whacked out too. And, uh, and I consider myself to be pretty far right and pretty conservative in pretty much every view, every topic. <laughs> but I also consider myself a rationally sentient being that likes to absorb information and and is not going to turn it away just because it doesn't vomit out of the mouth of trump <sighs> although i love when he vomits i mean he he is a great he's a great person to watch that's why people like him he's relatable he's he's you know always at the top of the game he's always got a quick quip he's entertaining and i love donald trump and anybody who says I doesn't simply doesn't know me or hasn't been paying attention. So uh, anyway, that, that's that's my that's my pitch there on Trump. That's not really where I wanted to go. Now we're going to move on to to uh, what happened in Hawaii. First of all, he doesn't go there. He has no comment on the Hawaii disaster. He doesn't go there, and that he finally goes. He has to interrupt his his Lake Tahoe vacation to go over to Hawaii, make a little 13-hour tour. I mean, I think he had, his tour was almost as short as the SS Minnow. Unfortunately, he didn't get lost on a deserted island and disappear forever. But here he was, arriving in Hawaii. He had Dr. Jill Biden. Doctor. <laughs> uh. 
They let him use the big steps. I mean, there's that anyway, I guess. That's probably the most positive aspect of the entire trip because then it, it, it devolved from there and it devolved very quickly. After he gave a little welcoming speech, they had to direct him off the stage. Look at, the guy is bewildered. He's lost. He's befuddled. He's, this is another one of his Mr. Magoo moments. What a freaking embarrassment. So he went on, and after he, he came off his stage and was speaking, he went down the handshake line, you know, the rope line, where you greet people and, and, and whatnot. Not unusual. It happens at all events. And he gets to, first of all, I don't know what there is to be smiling about. And then he gets distracted by a dog. Please don't pull his tail like you do with your German shepherds. This is actually a well-behaved dog. And then he makes a crack about, I hope, you know, the boots on the, on. I don't know if he's talking about boots on the dog or boots on the officers. It's hard to tell. But comments, yeah, this asphalt or this concrete is hot. The ground is hot. <laughs> it's hot, man. Check it out. What's the boss's name? I said, how you doing, Fight him. Fight him. All right, listen. You guys catch the boots out here? That's some hot ground, man. That's some hot ground, man. He says, after an entire city burned to the ground. They're searching for cadavers, man. They've got, that's a cadaver dog. They've got, they're searching rescue people out. They're looking, they're pulling up bones. And his comment is, that's some hot ground, man. <laughs> Pound sand, man. Biden, you are the most, you're a pathetic excuse for a human being. You are a soulless, monstrous, despicable, disgusting, abhorrent person. And then he had to tell a story. I'm going to prove that he's a despicable, disgusting, abhorrent, uncaring person who only cares about himself. Because he went on to give a speech and compared a little kitchen fire he had at his house and almost losing his Corvette to what these people have lost in Lahaina. They've lost, these people have lost everything, including many have lost loved ones. They've lost everything they own. I mean, a house fire is one of the worst disasters that can happen to a family or an individual for that matter because you lose everything including sometimes life and he has the the audacity the the total lack of awareness to go in there and try to compare a little kitchen fire that he had one time in his life where he lost nothing nothing And he goes in and tells these poor people in Lahaina, he tries to make an analogy and compare what he went through as if he could, I can understand you. That's like, a, that's like when a millionaire says, I can feel your pain. Bullshit, you don't feel anything. You don't feel anything. You know, as I was watching this, I was like, I can't believe I have to listen to this. I had a hard time actually making this show because I had to listen to this. I had to listen to this. And, um, and I commented to, to, to my wife, Terry, when I was making this, I was like, I, I can't even, I can't even listen to this. The fact I have to listen to it when I do my show is enough. So here you go. Check it out. I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was 
in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday. And lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. But all kidding aside, I watched the firefighters, the way they responded. You know, there's an old expression. I grew up right across the street from a fire hall in Claymont, Delaware. And the no kidding aside, he almost, all right, first of all, <laughs> he almost lost his wife, his 67 Corvette, and his cat? While he's talking to people, <laughs> lost everything. And then he's, oh, it was a lake. No, it was a large pond. Oh, it was a heating duct. No, it was an air conditioning duct. But people, this is his fire story. This is the story he uses every time. By the way, it wasn't a few years ago or 15 years ago. It was 20 years ago in 2004. But it's not the first time he's used this story. See, in Colorado, when they had the wildfires there in the winter, of 22, he brought up the same thing. Jill and I have not gone through what you've gone through, but we have had lightning strike our home and almost lose our home. And uh, uh, we only lost about uh, 25% of it we were able to rebuild. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, the hard part is the thing, the memorabilia you lost, the special things that you had put away that you lost. 25, so his kitchen. It was, <laughs> he gets up there and says, oh, and the memorabilia and the personal things you lost. What? How many personal things do you keep in your freaking kitchen? Because the only place, in fact, before I even talk any further, let's take a look at what at the actual story. Here's what actually happened. The Associated Press, Lightning Sparks, this is in 2004, August 1, 2004. Lightning sparks fire at Biden house. Lightning strikes the home of Senator Joseph Biden, starting a small fire that was contained in the kitchen. Lightning struck the home of Senator Joseph Biden, starting a small fire that was contained in the kitchen. Firefighters arrived to find heavy smoke coming from the house, but were able to keep the flame from spreading beyond the kitchen, said Granston Heights Fire Company Chief George Lambert. So they had a small kitchen fire that was put out. They didn't lose any memorabilia. They certainly didn't lose 25% of their home. They didn't lose any life. They didn't really lose much property. But see, that's his fire story. The guy, and you know, and he's so, his brain is so Swiss cheese that he may actually believe what he's saying now. I mean, it may, it may be that he goes out there and he's repeated the same story so many times and he keeps expanding on it and embellishing it that maybe in his mind, he does believe he lost everything. Maybe in his mind, he does think that he almost lost his wife and his Corvette and his cat. I don't think so. I don't think that's what he believes at all. I think he's just, I think he's just an old worthless POS that has no empathy whatsoever for anybody except himself. That's what I think. So that was the truth. Anyway, then he goes on. They're doing a meeting with survivors and, and they're speaking and Biden decided that he needed a little break and a little rest. This was a good time to take a nap. We are a community that relies Heavy breathing. On Ohana, whether by blood or by friendship. But like many others, my son's home now, of course, the left, the legacy media have come out. He wasn't sleeping. He was praying. I don't pray like that. Do you? He was asleep. 
There's no doubt in my mind, man. His jaw is all relaxed. He's breathing deeply. This is while he's at a survivor's dinner. It kind of reminds you of the moment when the coffins were coming home from Afghanistan and he went there to meet them. And rather than being reverent, he looks at his watch and not just once, but several times while the flag draped caskets were being unloaded from the plane, he's worried about what time it is. How much longer do I have to be here, man? So he has a history of this. This is not just a single, it's not a one-time thing. This is not a, you know, an only event type of thing. And then, of course, here they are going back to their vacation on Lake Tahoe after they took their 12-hour tour. Back onto the plane. Once again, using the big steps. Surprisingly, especially with that wind blowing. Surprised he didn't fall over. But let's take a look at, and like I said, he has, he has a history of this. And I've spent far too much time on this, but I'm going to go ahead and play this uh, super clip anyway because I think it's good. Check it out. I mean, my takeaway from this moment was his proclivity to exaggerate and his lack of empathy. And on the subject of exaggeration, let's take a walk down memory lane. I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home. I remember spending time at, uh, you know, uh, go, going to... Uh, the, uh, you know, the Tree of Life Synagogue, speaking with the... I like to tell Frank Church this. I got a, I, my first job offer where I wanted... My wife, deceased wife and I, wanted to move to Idaho because we think, not a joke, such a beautiful, beautiful state. And I interviewed for a job at Boise Cascade. I did not walk in the shoes of generations of students who walked these grounds, but I walked other grounds. Because I'm so damn old, I was there as well. <laughs> Seems like yesterday, the first time I got arrested. Anyway. I was appointed to the Academy in 1965 by a senator who I was running against in 1972. <laughs> Never planned it that way. I was, wasn't old enough to be sworn in. I was only 29 years old when I was running. He was a fine man. His name was J. Caleb Boggs. I didn't come to the academy because I wanted to be a football star. I mean, the New York Post fact check this Puerto Rican community. There were only. It, it's uh, he, his entire political career. He has lied, plagiarized, embellished. And somehow, I don't know how someone like that gets through a career as long as his. Being such a dishonest, disgusting, disingenuous human being. But somehow he did. It reminds me of my governor here in Washington State. See, I'm from Washington, and we have a guy up here, Jay Dimsley. Fortunately, he's, well, Inslee, I mean, not I call him Jay Dimsley because he is dim. This guy is not smart. Fortunately, he's not running again. He's going to go off and probably change his, his climate wet dreams. He probably hopes to kind of be a climate czar, maybe like John Kerry. And here's what he had to say regarding fires. We're having some fires here in Washington State. I mean, that's you have forest fires in the summer, especially when you have piss poor forest management for years and years, creating a massive, massive fuel bed for for forest fires. Because the fact of the matter is there's a beast at our door, and that's the beast of climate change. It seems like the whole world is on fire. We need to defend ourselves from climate change. We need to, to decarbonize our economy so these fires don't ravage us. There's not enough fire trucks in the world to protect us if we don't stop climate change. Decarbonize our economy. What the hell does that even mean? There's not enough fire trucks in the world. The beast is at the door. <laughs> what a dramatic... <laughs> Horrible. And I've had to listen to this for for eight years now. So, or no, 12 years, excuse me. Three, three horrible terms that have really destroyed this state. And um, one of the reasons why I'm leaving. More on that later. I don't know. Are, are we having more fire forest fires than we have in the past? Statistically, we're not. Climate change, so if the climate is so bad that it's causing all these fires and everything is worse than it's ever been, then why, why 
acreage-wise, have we the, the burn? It's the the fire season is almost over. It's, it's getting toward the end of August. The burn acreage in the U.S. so far this year is the lowest since 1998, and down 95 percent since 1930. Those are the facts. So their whole argument is just another. The sky is falling. Load of shit where they're trying to say that, oh, the end of the world is nigh. No, 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 no. I've done entire shows on it. So whatever. Speaking of the sky is falling, we have another sky is falling story. And that is they're bringing back the COVID, of course, because fall is coming up. You better go get your 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 vaccine, your booster shot. I have one question. Is this the same shot? Is this stuff they've had in storage that they've developed? The same? Are we still selling people on putting the same experimental shot into their body as we were two and a half years ago. That's what it sounds like to me. Go get your annual COVID shot, even though it doesn't change anything, even though it doesn't protect or prevent you from getting COVID or spreading COVID, even though the variants now are nothing like the original variants that it was even developed for. Never mind that vaccine injury is a very, very real thing and that people are suddenly dying and excess deaths are going through the roof. Never mind any of that. Go out and get your booster. Rutgers University enforces COVID vaccine mandate for all returning students. Find a new university. Find a new university. Don't do it. Students attending New Jersey's Rutgers University this year will be required to get the COVID vaccine in order to attend in-person classes and to live on campus. The university has decided to continue with its vaccine mandate for the upcoming school year over two years after it was first implemented. Newsweek is reporting. California-based film company Lionsgate is a small uh, film company down in California. Of course, it's Hollywood. Implements mask mandate, contact tracing. Amid new COVID scare, employees must wear a medical-grade face covering when indoors, except when alone in an office with the door closed. Actively eating, actively drinking at their desk or workstation, or if they are the only individual present in a large open workspace. The internal memo. Stated, all Lionsgate employees will also be required to perform a self-screening before coming to work each day and stay home if they are showing symptoms within the past 10 days. Next. And these, these stories are all over the place. It's coming back, people. It is coming back. Atlanta College reinstates COVID-19 mask mandate as students return to, to city. A week after classes began, Morris Brown College is once again requiring students and employees to wear face masks on campus. That's not all. That's not all. That's the headline story. They're also requiring the full protocol. So if you attend this college, and this will not be the, it's not the first, and it's not the last, that's going to reinstitute these in the fall. Effective immediately, Morris Brown College has reinstated its COVID-19 mask mandate due to reports of positive cases among students in the Atlantic University Center over the next 14, 14 days. Oh, just for the next 14 days. They're only gonna. They're only gonna keep these policies. That that sounds familiar. Are they really reusing the same two weeks to flatten the curve? Shit. <laughs> that, that unbelievable. Number one, wear masks. All students and employees are required to wear face masks. Number two, physical distance. Students must maintain must maintain physical distancing. Three, large gatherings. Institutional guidelines for gathering sizes must be followed. There will be no parties or large student events on campus. None. No parties for you. No having fun in college. You will do as we say. We own you. Number four, isolation and quarantine. Students must adhere to institutional policies and CDC guidelines for isolation and quarantine. Contact tracing is number five. Compliance with college-initiated contact tracing efforts is expected. Symptom monitoring. Monitoring. Number six, students and employees are obligated to undergo temperature checks upon arrival on camps. Temperature checks. Submit to temperature checks when you arrive on campus. Number seven, regular hand washing, sanitation, frequent hand washing is expected. Isn't that, it's weird. This was always one of the weirdest things to me. It took COVID to convince people that frequent hand washing is a good idea for hygiene. (laughs) But it's getting worse, people. 
because it's not just little colleges and little towns and small studios that are getting into this. It's also going to be the federal government. Some internal, uh, you can call them whistleblowers if you want. Anyway, they came out and said that there are already plans within the Biden administration to reinstitute COVID protocols. Biden regime to reinstate COVID-19 restrictions beginning with mask mandate as COVID cases rise. Hmm. I think there are still fewer COVID cases than flu cases, say TSA and Border Patrol whistleblowers. The Biden regime is preparing to reinstate full COVID-19 lockdowns, beginning with masking mandates for TSA and airport employees reportedly as early as mid-September. So coming up here in less than a month. InfoWars was the first to report, and people can scoff at InfoWars if they want to. The fact is, historically, they have been right more often than not. A high-level TSA official reached out to InfoWars detailing a Tuesday meeting where TSA managers were informed of a new memorandums and policies that would re-implement mask wearing. These these policies will reinstate the mask mandate for TSA and airport employees starting in mid-September. According to the TSA official, further details on how the policy will escalate will be provided next week. The official added that by mid-October, Mask wearing will be mandated for all pilots, flight staff, passengers, and airport patrons. And and I've been I've been saying it for a long time, and I, I would definitely look. This is going to happen. Just to enter an airport, the masks are coming back. You'll be required to wear one. You'll be required to wear one on a plane at all times. This is nothing more than a continuation of their control. Over you. See, that was a that was a test run. The whole COVID thing. You get that, right? It wasn't about the, the virus. It wasn't about saving lives because it didn't what all the stuff they did, the lockdowns, the masks, the vaccines. Now that we have historical data to look back on, now that we have history to learn from, had little to no effect on the mortality rate of what happened. And it wasn't anywhere near as bad. It was bad. I'm not saying it wasn't real. I'm not saying it wasn't bad. I'm not saying there weren't tragedies along the way. But we're still living with tragedies today with vaccine injuries and who knows for how long and how much worse they're going to get as a result of this experimental substance that everybody put into their bodies is exposed. Well, the federal government has contracts that they're instituting. I know it's hard to read this right now with the resolution here, but uh, these are contracts that have been awarded by the federal government for covid 19 safety protocols, contracts that are being awarded, clear out into 2028. This one is to Greenboat Solutions, Inc. to provide coatings in the name of COVID safety. We have another one here. These are from the General Service Administration, by the way, GSA, who administers and awards a lot of government contracts. My construction company works with them from time to time. We prefer not to because they are a pain in the ass. Anyway, this company as well. Evacuusled, I'm not even going to try to say it again, Inc., because I'm just butchering the word. Anyway, a Canadian company, they're actually being contracted by the GSA to come into the United States and provide COVID-19 safety protocols. Um, to, to what ex- the detail of these contracts is long. I mean, they're long contracts. But the point is, the federal government of the United States is awarding contracts for COVID-19 safety protocols. In fact, they're requesting more money for, for it as well. Because we need to keep the COVID, keep COVID machine and the COVID lie going longer and longer. Because, you know, how, how are you going to affect an election? If you get everybody in the habit of shutting down every fall, how cool would that be for the Democrats? Everyone could just stay home and vote by mail. And then they can do whatever they wanted with the election. And the candidates don't even need to campaign. They get to sit in their basement. As Joe Biden did in 2020. <sighs> don't do it, people. All I can say is just don't. I, I I can't be more adamant about this. The way this stops, I said it in 2020, 2021, 2022, and I'm going to say it again now. And I'm not the only one who's been saying it. This stops when we decide it stops. Simply by not complying. We need not comply. These are not laws. You can't be arrested for this. You can't be charged with a crime. Mandates are not laws. 
if enough people don't do it, they can't enforce it anyway. And uh, there's many of us, many of us did not ever wear a mask. We went out to eat wherever we wanted. We went grocery shopping wherever we wanted. We went to parks. We went to beaches. We went to playgrounds. We took our children out. We took our dogs for walks. And never, ever bent a knee to the state on any of the BS that they tried to do to us. So it can be done. Sometimes a little inconvenient. What's more inconvenient? Losing your freedoms and your liberties as guaranteed by God through our constitution or letting the government control your day-to-day lives of you and your family? I hope you realize that's a rhetorical question. Some of you out there, I wonder if you think that's a serious question. Uh, anyway, moving along, I'm going to talk talk about uh, Vivek Ramaswamy for a little bit, and only because this is less about him and more about the liberal news media and CNN. He did an interview on CNN. He's not afraid to talk to anybody. He'll talk to CNN, MSNBC, you name it. He'll go talk to them, and I like that about him. He's unafraid, he's unabashed, he's very, uh, very consistent in what he talks about. And they're, they're always trying to twist him. They're always trying to get him in, in a gotcha moment. You know, that's, a, that's liberal media. Gotcha. They're always trying to put out a gotcha. And Caitlin from CNN, she is the absolute worst. She is the, she's one of the most disgusting people in, in media. And that's saying a lot because there's a lot of really disgusting people in media. But this person, she is, uh, I don't think she's smart. I don't think that she's clever. I think that she thinks she's clever. And I don't know how she still has a job after all this time. But Vivek just totally destroys her. She tries to catch him. And what's funny is I'm going to read you somebody's analysis on this right after we watch this video. I'm not going to play the whole clip because it's, it's somewhat long. I think the whole, the whole clip is four or five minutes. I'm going to play you about two minutes of it. Check it out. A report in The Atlantic that you gave an interview to, you said, quote, I think it is legitimate to say how many police, how many federal agents were on the planes. That- First of all, the Atlantic, <laughs> please. Hit the Twin Towers. Maybe the answer is zero. It probably is zero for all I know, right? I have no reason to think it was anything other than zero. But if we're doing a comprehensive assessment of what happened on 9-11, we have a 9-11 commission. Absolutely, there should be an answer the public knows the answer to. Explain to me what you meant there. This is really, it's funny. I mean, the Atlantic is playing the same game as CNN. It's funny. What I said is on January 6th, I do believe that there were many federal agents in the field and we deserve to know who they are. On 9-11, what I've said is that the government lied. And this is incontrovertible evidence, Caitlin. The government lied about Saudi Arabia's involvement. There was a Saudi spy named Al-Bayoumi who they lied and the government lied and the 9-11 commission lied. We know that because declassified reports in 2021 Which revealed President that Al-Bayoumi was indeed. What's that? Yeah, the report that the President Biden declassified. Yes. But your quote here, oh, Joe Biden. are you telling me that the quote is wrong years later, here? Yeah. But are you telling me that I'm your quote, you quote is wrong, wrong here because actually. it says how many federal actually, agents were on I, the plane? I actually asked. She won't shut up. Yeah, when, I, when I actually, and this is just lifting the curtain on how media works again, I asked that reporter to send the recording because it was on the record. He refused to do it. But we had a free-flowing conversation the truth is there are lies the government has told about 9-11, but it's not the ones that somebody put in my mouth. It's the one that I articulated, which is that Saudi Arabia, absolutely, their intelligence was involved in 9-11. And that's a difficult thing you're not supposed to say. The facts back that up. Separately, as it relates to January 6th, same story all over again. There were federal agents in the field. I think they've lied about how many there were. And we, the people, deserve the truth, okay, despite the they, layers of distortion that you, exist in the media to prevent us from getting You're it. saying that you were misquoted here. So we will take you at your word. Yes. You're saying you're, that you were misquoted here. But yeah. you were asked another time recently about whether or not 9-11 was an inside job. This is what your response All right. This is where she thinks she's going to get him in a gotcha. This is my evidence. This is my video evidence that you said 9-11 was an inside job. <laughs> this is hilarious. inside job or uh, exactly like the government tells us? I don't believe the government has told us the truth. Again, I'm driven by evidence and data. What I've seen in the last several years is we have to be skeptical of what the government does tell us. I haven't seen evidence to the contrary, but do I believe everything the government told us about it? Absolutely not. I I believe the 9-11 commission, absolutely not. 
I mean, Vic, I think people look at those comments. They look at what you said in the Atlantic, which you say you were misquoted. They look at comments that you've made about the Federal Reserve adding zeros to media companies' bank accounts. And, I mean, it looks like you're floating conspiracy theories with this defense of, I'm just asking questions. Well, when you actually quote me, those are my words, and I stand by them. So if I stand by them. quoting me, putting words in my mouth, I have a problem with. But those words I stand by. You want to know why? Because we literally know the FBI the 9-11 Commission, the U.S. government on down, told us specifically that Saudi Arabia had no involvement. 20-plus years later, quietly declassifying documents, showing that not only did Saudi Arabia have involvement, it was a Saudi intelligence agent that received two of those terrorists that crashed planes on 9-11, killing Americans But the Americans question was, is 9-11 an inside job? And, and you didn't say no. <laughs> Caitlin, That's you what just I think people Caitlin, are looking you literally, at. Caitlin, you, you know what's really funny? You literally just played that, and you could play it for your audience again. He said, or do you believe everything the government has told us? And my answer was, I do not believe everything the government has told us but you see because the they point. lied. The point is and that I know this game comes open. up. <laughs> and it goes on. She's trying to get him. She, it said, or do you believe everything the government has told us? And he answered that question. I don't believe everything the government has told us. She, she, is, she is so immature, and she's like a little... In fact, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy came out and he said this hilarious interview with CNN last night felt like I was talking to a perpetuant teenager because she was acting like a like a like a dummy. I mean, she was. Uh, this is so. This is hilarious. Check this out. Scott Adams did this summary of the interview, and he's obviously paraphrasing. He's changing the words, but this is this is what happened during the interview. There was also a section on uh, protecting. Excuse me. There, there was also a, a section on it about protecting Taiwan, where basically it was the same type of train wreck that she tried to get him in a gotcha. She presented information that, that was either completely untrue or actually supported what she was trying to disprove. It was, it was hilarious. Anyway, Scott Adams, CNN interviewing Vivek. This was his summary. CNN, why do you say 9-11 was an inside job? Vivek, I never said that. CNN, oh yeah? Here's a video of you not saying it. Place the video. CNN, what do you have to say for yourself now, you conspiracy theorist? Vivek, the video you played doesn't show me saying anything like what you said, and I have never said it. I've never said that I believed it. CNN, yes, but you can see why people might think you believe it was an inside job because you never said, as the video shows, that it wasn't. Vivek, this feels like the way you treated another candidate I can think of. He said that a little bit later in the interview because that's exactly how they treated Donald Trump, is it not? And uh, I, I like that he's, he's, he's not only does he have factual information on his side, not only is he extremely articulate at communicating it, and he's super intelligent, obviously, but he's also funny. He has he can throw out zingers. He can give names like Robot Ron. He can say that you know you're like a perpetual te teenager he, or a petulant teenager. He can he, he can be witty. He can be charming. He can be intelligent. I don't know, folks. I'm not saying he's going to beat Donald Trump. I don't believe he is. I do like what he has to say though. And if you're not listening, man, shame on you. You know, if you want to. If you want to live in a bubble, that's your choice. I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. I'm not trying to convince you who to vote for, in fact, at all. I wish that more conservatives would stop bickering and have a little bit more open mind on things. Donald Trump has still not visited East Palestine, and they are still not together. In fact, there are a lot of families there that are still not able to live in their homes. Why is this cleanup taking so long when some people are still getting sick from these chemicals? Yeah, John. Well, initially the EPA said that this would be done by June. Then it was July. Then it was August. And now, as you mentioned, it's not expected to be done until sometime next year. And those delays are not because of the Norfolk Southern Railways. They're because of the EPA. The EPA, how long it is taking the agency to run tests and to approve plans to actually get the work done. 200 families are still unable to return. 200 families still unable to return to their homes because, of course, the EPA got involved and the Biden administration has not done 
I can't believe they'd really done anything because if they had done something, you can be darn sure they would be bragging about it and it would be making the nightly news. But since it's not making the nightly news as a positive thing, as them being proactive and actually helping the families, helping the people who are still homeless, helping the conditions there, the fact that they've never even, I mean, it would be on the news. But they've never even, Biden has never even gone there yet. He said he was going to, still hasn't. East Palestine's mayor says there is probably more the White House could do to help expedite the cleanup, but it has been 170 days now since President Biden said he would come visit, and there still aren't any plans in place for that visit to happen. There are no show here, and you know they haven't been around, haven't really heard from them. But now that you know everything's calmed down, it would be nice to have him come, um, show that you know he cares about the village, and you know he can see what's actually going on here. He doesn't care what's actually going on there. Just like he doesn't care about Maui. Just like he doesn't care about anything. I'm sure he'll be visiting California soon too because they've got the hurricane coming through there. A lot of flash flooding and and stuff going on there. And uh, it just goes back to the beginning of the show, man. Joe Biden does not care. Joe Biden is a horrible, despicable human being. Joe Biden needs to leave. I've I've been saying this for months. There's nothing new here. I do not believe he will be the nominee for the Democrat Party. They're just waiting until they're trying to play a balancing act of trying to trash the Republicans while distancing themselves from Joe Biden to the point where someone's going to have to have the talk with him, whether that's Joe Biden or somebody else. Someone's going to have to have the talk. Maybe Joe might need a talk too. You know, you guys... You need to you need to go away. You need to step back. You need to leave. I don't care what excuse you come up with, and they will come up with one. They will come up for a reason why he can't run again that they can say is plausible, even though he's already said he was going to. Whether it's a family emergency, a death in the family, uh, some sort of other tragedy, some sort of other excuse, they will figure out a way why he can come out and announce while saving face that he is not going to be running again after all. Then they can bring in their Newsom or or whoever it is. Either way, I think I think Trump win, wins. Whoever they put out there, I think Trump wins, and I think that Vivek will be the number, the strong number two, not not vice president. But he'll be the number two in the primary for sure. I, I don't. I'm looking forward again to the debates on Wednesday. I'm going to play one more clip here, kind of a little teaser because I need to dive through the interview. But uh, Tucker Carlson, man, he's he's putting out more and more interviews, you know, more and more shows because. He's getting back into the swing of it, and I am really glad to see him. He's he's the best. He's the cream a la creme. He's he's the he's the shining star. He's the example. He's the if anybody could say, who would you like to be like in political commentary and media? I mean, Tucker Carlson is the guy. He's he's the number one. So when he talks, people listen. I listen. A lot of other people listen. You should too. I'm going to dive into the Ukraine probably tomorrow and what's going on there. Uh, Definitely trying to get Joe Kent back on the show because he is super well-versed and super good at explaining what's going on. If you're you're listening, Joe, uh, let's get in touch. Let's do another show. And uh, this is what Tucker Carlson had to say in the opening of his show before he brought his guest in. It's just a little uh, one-minute clip that I'm going to play, and then we'll close it up for the day. Check it out. Pretty much everything that NBC News and the New York Times have told you about the war in Ukraine is a lie. The Russian army is incompetent, they claim. Ukraine is a democracy. Vladimir Putin is Hitler and he's trying to take over the world. Thankfully, the Ukrainians are winning. None of that is true. Every claim is false, the last one especially. The Ukrainian army is not winning. In fact, it's losing badly. Ukraine is being destroyed. Its population is being slaughtered in lopsided battles with a technologically superior enemy or scattered by the millions to the rest of the globe as refugees. Ukraine is running out of soldiers. As that happens, the question will inevitably arise, who's going to replace them? If the Ukrainians can't beat Putin, who will? The answer, of course, will be us. American troops will fight the Russian army in Eastern Europe. That's most likely. And the assumption is we'll win. But will we win? Probably not, 
says former Army Colonel Douglas McGregor, a decorated combat veteran who advised the Secretary of Defense in the last administration. The U.S., says McGregor, is on the brink of a catastrophic war that could very easily destroy us. Few Americans seem to understand that, but they should. Doug McGregor is now the CEO of Our Country, Our Choice, and we sat down with him recently. This conversation is worth hearing. It is worth hearing. Get on to X, formerly Twitter. Check out the full interview. It's 50-something minutes long. Wow. I've watched it one time already. I'm probably going to watch it a couple of more times, grab a few clips here and there, and maybe do some comments on it tomorrow. So make sure you tune in. Uh, but he, he's right. I mean, we're going to... Joe Biden is not only ruining this company financially and economically, he's destroying our reputation. He's ruined our energy sector. Now he's going to take us into war. They've been marching toward war with Ukraine since day one. And, and there are Republicans that are just as guilty. The whole uniparty warmonger machine is in full swing. And if we end up in a direct war with Russia, we're basically at war with Russia right now. If we end up in direct conflict, that could spell disaster. It could spell not just the end of, and maybe it's an outside chance, but the possibility is there. It could spell not just the end of the United States, but the end of the world. Remember, man, both these countries have a lot of nuclear weapons. Russia holds the largest nuclear arsenal in the world. Anyway, hey, thanks for watching. If you've just been listening on one of the podcast channels, Renegade Radio or whatever, make sure to check me out on rumble.com slash the nun report. Please subscribe. Please give me a rumble. That's a thumbs up. It doesn't cost anything. It's free. Again, that's rumble.com slash the nun report. I'm on all the socials at the nun report, except for TikTok because I don't do that commie BS and Twitter because I couldn't get the. So on Twitter, it's just at nun report. Or I could just have avoided saying all of that and said, go to my website, the nun report.com. You can link into everything from one place easy peasy anyway hey, thanks again for watching and as always until next time may the odds be ever in your favor cheers <laughs>